everybody, and welcome to episode 62 of the Mountain Bike Podcast presented by Worldwide Cyclery. How you doing, Steve? I'm good. I'm still alive, even though the last few episodes yeah. you know, beg to differ. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they don't communicate your death, but certainly your absence. Yes, so, absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad that you're alive. I was busy doing things. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, this is brought to you by Worldwide Cyclery. It uh, is. Uh, best darn bike shop, I guess you could say, but they're more than a bike shop. Uh, man, they do put out a ton of content. They've been putting out a ton Yeti's new releases on mm-hmm. their bikes. They put out some great stuff on that. Yep. Um, they've been putting out a ton of like comparison reviews on components. You can check it all out. Um, but you can go to uh, mtbpodcast.com, go to the store, click on the Worldwide Cyclery banner, and then the podcast gets a little chunk of that to make it possible for us to continue making the podcast and get unique content for y'all. I'd say that they're the best local bike shop west of the Mississippi, but they're also east of the Mississippi. It's true. They're so all over. They're all over. And we're actually, just, we're trying to convince them also to to come up into our neck of the woods. That would be awesome. Yeah. I know they're listening, so it's a pretty good place, guys. Speaking of them yes. and listening, yes. what are we doing this weekend? Uh, we're actually, they're coming. So Interbike is coming to town. It is. Uh, to Reno, Tahoe, where we are from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's nice. That means I don't have to go to Vegas. Uh, no offense to anybody that lives in Vegas. I, I'm sure living there isn't too bad, but when you oh, visit there. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But when you visit there, it's terrible. Um, especially if you're like a, a Mormon, very happily married and committed man, there's really nothing for you to do in Vegas. <laughs> so they don't really have gentlemen's clubs for yeah you know, that for true gentleman yeah for an actual gentleman yeah, yeah that's exactly true. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways uh, I'm glad that it's up here and those guys are coming up uh, from Worldwide Cyclery we're going to give them a tour of South Reno if you will we're mm-hmm. gonna go do some riding and get some good we're gonna do the NAR trails uh, we're going to be filming a video with them as mm-hmm. well some footage they're gonna interview us uh-huh. I don't know how that's gonna go. Uh, we'll find out. I've got a face for radio, so we'll see how that works out. <laughs> It'll be good times. So uh, keep your eye out for some content on that. And if you're coming to the region for Interbike, just uh, drop us a line. Let us know. I'm pretty darn like slammed that week with all the different stuff for Trainer Road, uh, which thank you, Trainer Road. recording in your studio. Like we always. are. But uh, uh, we can at least get you some sort of trail suggestions or anything else. Just reach out to us on Instagram. Find totally. us MTB Podcast there. Yep. Uh, okay, so we've got a number of different things to cover today. It's going to be a questions episode. It will be. But lots of news, too. Lots of things happen. racing and bike release stuff has happened, yeah. and yeah, we need to talk about that. Lots of things happen with Bay. Oh, Bay. Yeah, yeah, Bay. yeah, yeah. That's what the kids B-A-E say. before B-A-E. anything else, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, being Yolanda. The, yeah, that's what the youths say. She doesn't know she's Bay, though. <laughs> she doesn't. No. I'm very upset about this. <laughs> I'm, I don't know how I sleep at night, first of all. And, uh, it's tricky. I mean, life goes on. Yeah, well, yeah we'll she still doesn't know. This. Yeah. Uh, so with that, Stephen, shall we just get straight into the news? The news. News team, assemble! I'm going to start things off on a bit of a somber note. Yes. Um, uh, some, some news that's shocked the mountain bike uh, industry right now is uh, Jared Graves, an absolute legend in just you know mountain biking and BMX and He's even a ripping XC racer, dual slalom, downhill, enduro, yeah. a pioneer for enduro, really. Absolutely. Like, um, absolute legend and one of the nicest guys I've met that's a pro racer like this. Uh, he has been diagnosed with a brain tumor. I know. It's all of a sudden, too. Yeah. Very strange. So uh, going in for uh, operation and chemotherapy is starting directly after the operation. Uh, if you guys can, I mean, I'm sure he's getting inundated with messages, but if he's ever done anything that's meant to you or meant something to you, go let him know that right now because I can't imagine the battle that he's fighting. It's yeah. got to be really hard. And knowing that he makes a difference in people's yeah. lives. Because it's it's hard to keep hope when something's like that or motivation when something's that tough. So yeah, uh, just one quick story with Jared. Um, uh, a few years back, I was at Sea Otter. I was waiting to do an interview and I was in the specialized truck um, hanging out, just sitting there right yeah. alone, uh, but waiting for a person to show up for an interview. And, uh, I saw him walking around the pits and, or in that little, in the paddock area. And then he just came up and sat down right by me a nobody mm-hmm. shook my hand and was like, Hey man, I'm Jared. What's your name? And I was like, well, we have this reversed. I should be talking to you. You know, yeah. I should be initiating the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was nobody of significance, you know, but he didn't care and he doesn't treat anybody any differently. Yeah. And we had like a 15 minute conversation just talking about bikes and setup and nerdy stuff like one would if they're a bike nerd like all of us. Yeah. Uh, but he was just so pleasant, man. Um, what a fantastic guy. Uh, and I think that, you know, 
I really do feel like that, you know, in certain cases, don't get me wrong, fighting cancer is, is up to elements that are out of our control. Yeah. But I feel like you can control a good amount of what goes on. And if you're a strong fighter and you have mental fortitude to the level that Jerry Graves does, then I feel like you have, uh, you have great odds yeah. relatively speaking. So Jared, uh, everything that you've basically every race you've done every, anytime you've committed out of another turn to pedal even harder than he did the one before, uh, anytime you've done any of that stuff, this is now where all of this is just adding up to this one. Yeah. You know, all those different experiences are making you stronger for this. So, um, yeah, good luck to Jerry Graves, uh, stay tuned with him and for updates and send your support to him. Absolutely. Uh, with that, let's get into some racing, yes. shall we? Because uh, a lot happened. First, before we get to World Champs, we should we should cover. So, Steve, you didn't watch XC uh, World Cup stuff before this season, really, right? Like, Not pretty really. rarely. No, I'd watch random highlights, and that's about it. Uh, we aren't even going to cover the men's or women's downhill race from Labresse. But the women's, and we're not going to cover the men's XC race from Labrest. No, because it was it was boring. It was okay. In comparison. You know, it was a good race, but yeah, boring. exactly. The women's race was probably the best race I've ever seen. Probably the best race I've ever watched in general, not yes. just bike racing. <laughs> it was incredible. It was so good. Like, I, it, And so if you look at the, the results sheet, um, it does look a little different than what you'd normally see. Yeah. But it doesn't tell the story. Like, it doesn't tell the story at all. This thing was crazy, and I don't. I don't want to spoil it for people. I don't like. You need to go watch <laughs> yeah. this. Yes. But what I will say is Yolanda Neff and Emily Batty both probably put on the best performances I've seen. Oh yeah. You know, Thoroughly Annika Longvad. You know, coming back from where she had, you know, yeah, fell to because of. I mean, there was there was lots of, of mechanicals, yeah, lots yeah. of things that happened. Muddy, in this race. slick. Yeah. It was like challenging terrain. Oh, so yeah, and. It was just an all-out battle. I mean, your you top to five, it was such an all-out battle the whole race. <laughs> it was long. so good. So even if you're a DH guy, check this out. You'll find it entertaining. It's exactly. pretty awesome. Um, jump into World Champs now. Let's yes. do that. Uh, let's cover downhill first since we just covered XE. Then we'll jump back to XE again. Um, the course was was pretty gnarly. Um, and for a while there, I thought Martin Mays, cause that was also impressive at Labresse is that Martin Mays, the enduro racer yeah. won down, which is, which is awesome to yeah. see. Uh, it shows that really the top enduro racers are not downhill racers that couldn't cut it. Like some people say they're genuinely world-class, yeah, you know, absolutely. across the board, but Martin Mays, I thought he was going to win world champs. And then Loic Bruni, the dude just manages to pull things out whenever it's needed like this at world champs. Yeah. It's interesting. Like I'd, I, I want to look into the psyche of, of him versus somebody like Aaron Gwynn, like Aaron Gwynn, I feel like thrives on the season of building through the season and doing well. Yeah. And then Aaron Gwynn world championships, he's notorious for having terrible days. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time, you know, he's been coming back from injury and everything else, but he got fifth, which is actually better than many, uh, finishes that he's gotten there. But Loic Bruni, on the other hand, doesn't do well all throughout the year in the world cups and world championships. He destroys it. And he just, it, it's, I think he, he, I think Loic Bruni handles himself better and he's more composed when he's behind the gun. Maybe. I don't know. Right. I, yeah. It seems like it doesn't work out throughout the season, but then when it comes to one race, you know, certain people behave really well or handle that sort of pressure extremely well, right? Yeah. With just, it's like, okay, you've got one shot. Whereas if they know they have the year to build, they don't quite have that. Pro- I don't know. It's it's really interesting, but kudos to Loic Bruni. Rachel Atherton won by a whopping darn near 10 seconds. Yeah. That's crazy. Ooh, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely insane. There's, I mean, you think first to second was almost 10 seconds. Second to third was over 10 seconds. They... <laughs> There was some gapping going on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Pretty gnarly stuff. So, um, and the course is pretty cool. I'm going to jump back to XCO though. Uh, that was insane because Nino Scherter and Yolanda Neff, probably the biggest stars in cross country mountain biking are mm-hmm. from Switzerland and it yeah. was in Lenzer Heide, Switzerland. Yeah. That was the, the amount of people watching that race. It was crazy. It was. Like you couldn't even see grass in a lot of spots. Like it was just an was entire just sea of people yeah. or course. That was it. It's like a regular NASCAR event. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, and on the elite women's side, that was the big story. I mean, Nino won, uh, and, and an impressive finish. Yeah. Uh, Kirsch Bomber, good, saw, good job in second. And Vanderpool, good job in third, first ever world champs. Yeah. Um, but 
Kate Courtney won. And I guarantee you, Kate Courtney had no clue that she was going to win that morning. You know what I mean? Well, of course. Like I expected her to like a top five would be a good finish. If she got third, that would be fantastic in my mind. In fact, uh, Paul Basagoidia, who, you know, uh, everyone I'm sure knows who he is, but uh, free ride pioneer Mm -hmm. and works closely with Red Bull and has been a Red Bull athlete for many years. Uh, He met Kate Courtney this year, was super impressed with, with her as a person and as an athlete. So he's been following her results. And we were talking about it the day before. And I was like, yeah, you know, if she gets third, that'll be a killer result. And then she turns around and wins. Yeah. I feel like she had one of those chainless days. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, when you're pedaling and you just don't feel the chain. Like she worked extremely hard. You she was even on it. cloud nine. She was on cloud eleven. Yeah, like just it like, just everything went well. Yeah, like Annika started to fall apart because it was technical. Yeah, and she started to make more and more mistakes and she got tired. Yeah. Um, Annika Longvod is an incredible athlete. I feel like the most fit and definitely the fastest one in terms of fitness, but she totally has a big Achilles heel with technical riding. And yeah. She's more aware of it than any of us. I'm sure she'll be working on it, but um, Kate Courtney, you saw multiple times when she was going up that climb that it was, she was just like telling her body, please give me more, please give me more. And then once she started to reel in Annika and got close and was able to pass, it was like it injected her with like, something and she was just like boom gone yes like so much faster after that that was pretty cool to watch and we have an american that has a world champ title we do an xc that's good yeah it was pretty cool Uh, anyways world championships is awesome it always is uh and you should check out those races plus labress uh the cross-country olympic stuff uh and another bit of news uh so we have a number of different bikes that have come out um but before we get into those bikes, we should talk about your bike that you're building, which has also recently come out, Cannondale's mm-hmm. Jekyll 29. Yep. Uh, but you are, but we don't have a name yet. So if you guys want to name Steven's bike, stay tuned to our Instagram channels, uh, just MTB podcast, and you can see, or dogs, bikes, and cars for Steven uh, and Lee Jonathan underscore for me. Um, but stay tuned to those channels because we're going to be showing off Steven's bike and maybe they can help us come up with a name for it. Exactly. You are building like... This isn't just a custom build. Like the frame has been completely stripped and painted. Yeah. It should be done this afternoon. Oh. I'm going to build it tonight and tomorrow, and then it should be ready for our Worldwide Cyclery hosted ride on Sunday. What color are you going with? Because uh, we did uh, everyone, we did Project Aurora on the SB55. Mm-hmm. That was a big hit. Still a it hit was. on the Instagrams. Many people like. But still not custom painted. That was all, mm-hmm. you know, the accents were custom. This bike, everything is custom. Yes. So the idea behind this was that I did not like what Cannondale did on the Jekyll 29 Model 1 with that sage gray mm-hmm. and the like the bottom color is essentially not even a metallic version of like an army drab green. Yeah, you wanted something that was a bit more poppy. I wanted pop, but I also yeah, yeah. wanted to keep, you know, to Cannondale's, you know, lines. They do a really good job of breaking up the different colors on the bikes. So essentially what we did is we took the bottom half of the bike that was the drab green color, and it is now going to be this very, very liquid, creamy purple pearl over a blue base. And so it creates this really good pop, but it's a very liquidy color. It's not going to have big flakes of pearl. It's very, very fine flakes. So it's just going to, the whole thing is going to be somewhat almost like a reflective is a bad term, but it's going to have that kind of metallic element you know, well, smoothly no, throughout, I guess. That's the thing, though, is you won't – no, you're not going to see flake at all. Like so we the, need to see it is what you're saying. You have to see okay, this color. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then the top half of the bike that was the sage uh, the sage gray color yeah, yeah. is going to be this ice black hologram color, oh. which is a black base. It's a jet black base. Yeah. And then over the top of that, the there's going to be fairly heavy – it's considered a fine flake, but you'll definitely see the flakes. Yeah. And they are prismatic flakes. Ooh. So depending on the light and the angle, it'll change color. It'll change the flakes will actually change any, you know, any color through the visible spectrum of light. Ooh. This but it'll be, be a black base. And we kept it stock though. Like it's not stock like stock lines. Yep, stock yeah. lines, which I like. Yeah. I like that. That's a good yeah. that's a yeah, that's cool. That and then the good. and then the other color that we're throwing in there is we're taking that same purple. And we're going to lighten it up just like one or two shades and add heavy gold flake into it for the Cannondale logos. Oh, nice. That'll look good. So it's going to look really good. Um, And then we've embraced the Kashima on this one because we feel like it'll look good. It'll look good. Um, Actually, the word Jekyll on the top tube where it says the model like right by the seat tube is going to be in 
the same color matched to the Kashima code. But everything else is going to be that black hologram ice and purple pearls. This thing is going to be pretty. Industry nine, I believe. Uh, did they pitch in those? Or did you get? I, I don't know. So what I, I paid yeah. for those. Nice. Um, I bought those wheels. So you've uh, got some i nines coming for it. They're already here. Oh. They're already ready to go. And they, um, they reference the purple in a subtle manner. Very subtle. Um, everything about this bike, I want to be subtle pop. I don't yeah. want it to be loud. And like, then stickered. Stickered. S t i k r d. Dot com. Yep. You can check them out. Is it, you've gone through with him. He made some really rad looking decals. Literally match. everything on the bike is going to be completely custom. Nice. Shock, fork, crank arms, wheels. Whole thing. All of it. Nice. Everything. Um, this going to be beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful bike. I'm uh, looking forward to it. So we mm-hmm. need a name. Um, yeah. Needs a name. It does. It's going to be your it's new gonna bike. Be, it's going to be very sultry, to yeah. say the least. Yes, it will. You, yeah, that sultry, was, I think, is the, yeah. Your, that was the perfect adjective for yeah. it. When you said that, I was like, yes, it's going to be sultry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I guess along, along the lines of new bikes, uh, so I for those that I think everybody knows, but I'm, I'm a Yeti ambassador, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so I ride for Yeti, and of course, they released two new bikes. Um we saw them, and I think that we may even have talked about them on a previous episode. We did. Did we? Because yeah. I think we talked about me being an enduro nerd for for a bit there. Yeah. I don't know if we did or not. But anyways, um, yeah, so they released them, the SB150 and the SB130. And it's interesting because they led with the SB150, and everybody thought that replaced the 5.5. But it didn't really. It kind it's of kind of a bigger bike than yeah. The it's a bigger bike. Yeah, yeah. One fifty in the rear, and then one seventy up front instead of one sixty one forty. Yeah, in the rear, which was the five five. Yes, and then they released the SB one thirty, which is actually a closer replacement to the five five. Yeah, one thirty in the rear and one fifty and one fifty in the front. And all and the one thirty comes with a thirty six fork on it too. Yes, all of them come with a thirty six. Yes, and big news: you can fit a bottle in the cage. In the frame. In the frame, yes. Yeah. You can fit a bottle cage in the frame. <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, that's a lot of people are excited about that. But the big thing is they also change the kinematics on the bikes a bit. So like Yetis have also always, so they still retain their high level of anti-squat, but they've also been known for, um, some people call it initially harsh, some people call it supportive, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. They've known for not being a Cadillac in that initial part of the stroke, right? Um and now this is actually changing. Like it's kind of, it's what they've done with the SB100. They've managed to work with chalk, you know, with Fox in this case. And their linkage is to really get it to the point where they can, they can design a bike that's initially supple, but still somehow supportive. Yeah. Um, so now they've done it across the range. Steeper seat tube angles, the whole thing. I think that the 150 is, you know, more and more bikes are going to be coming out like that. It's kind of like on the level, like, you know, Nomad, that sort of thing, where it's just like an uber, really, really gnarly bike. And I think that, you know, people are saying that the 150 is like an EWS only bike. And it's certainly, I don't think it's EWS only because it can still do more than that. Yeah. But it's definitely designed for the gnarly stuff. It is. And if you're looking for one bike that kind of does a ton of things. Yeah. The 130 is in line. I don't know if you can talk about something that's similar that's kind of coming out on your, because you're a Cannondale guy. Yeah. So on your, can you talk about that? I can't talk about any specifics, but what I can say is that Cannondale has some stuff that's coming out in October. Okay. Um, something, something along those lines. Very much uh, a new 130-ish, 29-inch trail bike. Ooh, nice. Yeah. I think that that's a sweet spot for people. I really think it is too. So many people ask us which bikes they should get. I'm probably going to get one. And I'm actually going to get one with NX Eagle. Like I'm going to go base model aluminum frame on this because I feel that the $3,000 price point is a sweet spot for- You yeah. know, getting bargain. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people are saying $3,000 isn't a bargain, but relatively speaking, that's yeah. what we're going for here. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. And NX Eagle, by the way, if those, that, that, that is an awesome deal. Yeah. Like for people that are looking for, I mean, I think what is the whole group set, I think is like 500 bucks. Yeah. With cranks and everything. Cranks and like everything. 500 bucks. Yeah. yeah. So I may be wrong on that. If so, you can write in and let us know. But, um, I do know, I, I know the wholesale price in my mind right now and it's amazingly cheap. Yeah. So I can't imagine they would charge more than that, but yeah, really cool to see. Um, good job to, to SRAM on releasing something like that. But yeah, I think the sweet spot is around 130, uh, anywhere from, you know, 120, I'd say 130 to 110, somewhere around there. That's like the sweet spot for most people. Mm-hmm. There are certain rule breakers like the blur, like the SB 100, like the new BMC that was released. We should talk about that one. Um, those ones are 100 mil in the rear 
And they are also they they kind of they they punch above their weight. Yeah, because they're running like one you know a thirty four step cast one twenty or something like yeah. that, where they're running a little bit more travel in the front, longer front center. You yeah, know, they're making it. Yeah, yeah, or the epic uh, epic Evo, the yeah. one that they just released there. The, did you see the new BMC that was released? Really I did stroke? not. Yeah, we have to talk about so that guy. Here's the interesting thing. So they they first of all they have an integrated dropper post. Okay. So all the posts that extends above is entirely and you can adjust that height we did talk about this on the podcast a few episodes ago i think i think a long time ago we talked about integrated posts this is just released so they've got an integrated post uh which is cool and it's awesome to see bmc is always looking into integration right that's like one of the things that they do but that bike is slacker than even the sb100 Mm -hmm. but it has a 100 millimeter fork so if you threw a 120 on there it would slacken it out even more Gotcha. It's got extremely short chain stays. I can't remember the exact number, but it's it's like pretty darn short. And then a really long reach. Like it's their XC race weapon. Like hmm. it's what they're using on the World Cup. And it's so for everybody that's saying that, you know, oh yeah, the SB100 or the Intense Spider or, you know, insert whatever one of these new, the down country bikes, like they're great, but they're not really for full on XC stuff. Yeah. Like, like we've been saying, just wait. All the XC bikes are going to be like this. If BMC is doing this, yeah. trust me. Scott's coming. BMC is the most XC nerd company out Totally. There. Yeah. yeah, Scott's behind them on this. I guarantee you. They're yeah. they're coming. Uh, I Trek, Specialized. You're going to start seeing Specialized people riding with more travel up front. It's going to happen, man. Yeah. Um, and slacker head tube angles. Slacker angles. Yeah. Steeper seat tube angles. Yeah. That's just how it's going. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool to see, man. Uh, with that, Stephen, should we get into questions? We have a lot, so let's a do lot. <laughs> Okay. Question. That's a ridiculous question. False. Well, that's debatable. <laughs> Okay, uh, first one is from Craig. I think this is just a bit of praise. So it's good to sit back and pat ourselves on the back every once in a while. Uh, He says, hey guys, great podcast. I appreciate all the insight and knowledge. Just ordered some new tires through the store at Worldwide Cyclery. Nice, good job, man. You can do that. Go to mtbpodcast.com, click on the banner, then you can get your stuff. Says, uh, just wanted to let you know, I was pleasantly surprised with the support crew episode. Occasionally you see a topic and you're like, meh, but at the <laughs> end of it, I was super pumped. Nice. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. I, it, there was no way to sell that one while being accurate in any other way that was like yeah. clickbaity. So, but hey, hey, it's, uh, that it's always good. You know, we don't want to put out bad content. We, we want to teach you how to be a good spectator for your friends. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it says, I wanted to go out and crew for someone with all their great info you gave. I've done a couple of races, including the 24 hours in old Pueblo. I'm doing that this year, by the way. Oh, nice. Yeah. He says, but nothing that really needed a crew. I'm not crazy enough to try any of the solo categories. I kept nodding my head with all your tips and comments. Anyway, I just wanted to say thanks for the great info. I've bookmarked the episode in hopes that we'll have a local race come up and I can put all your amazing experience and insight to good use. Excellent, Craig. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Uh, Next one's from Matthew. He says, Hey guys, I bought a power meter for my bike and a roller trainer. So I can finally get into a proper training routine using trainer road. Nice way to go, man. We've got a ton of new stuff coming out with Trainer Road. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the- Stay the, tuned. I like the upcoming thing where that you guys are supposed to be able to shift the calendar because everybody always asks me, well, what if I yeah. want to do my Tuesday ride on Monday? Yeah, yeah. Just do it. It's Just fine. It. You're okay. <laughs> now you'll be able to do it. So, I did my Thursday ride yesterday. So yeah, It's pretty sweet. Yeah. So for those that are wondering what that is, you can look up, uh, you can go to the, go on Facebook and look up Trainer Road beta group. Our beta testers. I'm actually not a part of this group at all. You can check it out, and then you can see uh, you can see that new feature uh, mm-hmm. that we're coming out with. It's pretty cool, man. It's an awesome calendar. Anyways, he says. Um, so his point is, he isn't training for races, but just for fitness, so I can better enjoy my trail rides. I bought Elite Quick. Uh, I bought the Elite Quick Motion rollers per Jonathan's suggestion on a previous podcast but I forgot to see if it would work with my wheelbase. Unfortunately, both my bikes are over the length limit of 45 inches on the rollers at 45.7 inches for my hardtail and 47.3 inches on my evil insurgent, which I have the power meter on. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. You can probably get away with the hardtail. I can ride my SB 100 on there and it's a medium. Yeah. It's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything longer than that. And it doesn't work. And I should have mentioned that in that initial (laughs) mention. Good job, Jonathan. Yeah, they don't make rollers very long these days. The good ones, at least. Um, and he says that he has a race face cinch power meter on that evil insurgent. So he says, I was wondering if you had any suggestions for a set of rollers that would work with longer wheelbases or if there was a hack to make the quick motion rollers work with a longer wheelbase. There is no hack for the quick motion rollers. That would be extremely tough because they have a very unique system. Yeah. 
You can look at Kreitler's. Kreitler, I think, makes some extra long, or I don't even know if they make them anymore, but some extra long ones. Uh, I have a pair of Cyclops ones, and I've tried to get them. They, they work for my bike, but I don't think they have much more flexibility than the Elite Quick Motions. Mm. It's really hard to find long rollers, although I seriously think that rollers are something that more people will want. Everyone's, you know, the the smart trainer thing has picked up and it's reached its peak, so to speak, you know? Yeah. And I think that people I've seen slowly become slightly, you know, some people become less interested in just being locked in and they want to have, you know, the roller experience. I think that companies would be wise of them to start producing more rollers that are better and have longer wheelbases and have, you know, uh, unique boom systems kind of like the quick motions do. So I unfortunately don't, Matthew. So I'd recommend getting a trainer that uh, you can hook up your hardtail to with some sort of a slick tire. That would yeah. be the best option. Totally. Or you can just get a wheel off trainer and then uh, you don't have to worry about it. True. So, uh, quick question from Zach. He says, where do you get InvisiFrame or where do you get the InvisiFrame kits that you guys use? So you get it directly from, so in general, InvisiFrame, get it right off their website, their .co.uk website. Um, awesome. it, they ship to the U.S. super fast, only a couple days. Yep. Um, where do we get our InvisiFrame kits? From you. my brain. Yes. Yeah. Your we, brain, your fingers, and vinyl. I buy SunTech Ultra 8 mil vinyl from, you know, uh, the shop that I do paint correction at that does tint and clear yep. bra and ceramic coatings on cars. And I make the kits. I do it all custom. It's all custom cut by hand. It saved my frame. It saved your SB55. Yep. Yeah. Saved my frame. Destroyed it. It destroyed Des the, the destroyed clear, the clear rock, coat. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah it's, it's absolutely the way to do it. InvisiFrame makes great stuff too. Yeah. Um, the I'm only downside to InvisiFrame is you don't get quite as much coverage as my kits mm -hmm. and they use thinner material. It's yes. easier to work with, but you don't get quite the protection level. You're about to get inundated with requests from people for this. I know. And I've already told you don't have many time. people. <laughs> one, I don't have time. Two, um, yeah, it's just not possible. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It takes three to four hours per frame to do it. Oh, man. Um, Kevin's question. He says, so much good advice. Thank you for that. And the con constant professionalism so needed in the world of mountain bike podcasts. Cool. You're a towel, sir. <laughs> I'm just being unprofessional. Sorry. Yeah, there we are. Um, yeah, I could agree with that. Uh, there are certain podcasts that, um, yeah, more the merrier. I'm going to end it there. Yeah. Yeah. Thumper rule. He says, I ride a 2018 Trek fuel EX eight 29 Eagle in Baltimore's Patopsco Valley. I hope that's how you say that. At 6.5, I had limited XXL choices, and the Fuel EX in 23-inch frame is exactly what I needed when upgrading from my 99 Rockhopper. This bike is an amazing all-around trail bike. It goes so fast over everything I throw at it. He says, I've heard some disparaging comments toward the Fuel EX from Jonathan on earlier episodes. No, I don't no, no. think that's possible. Mm -hmm. I don't think you did. Remedy. The remedy he did yeah. not like. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that in just a bit. We will. Um, he says, and more recently, praise uh, of the 9.9 .9 from Steven. Yeah, yeah. Trek should send me some commission because I know I've sold a bunch of these. A bunch of them. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, I'm confused by this disparity. I know that you have tested the Fuel EX in Sedona, but haven't heard the review that we've been waiting for. We'll cover that in just a bit. Yep. I rode the Fuel EX 27.5 fat version in Sedona this year as well, and it was perfect for that terrain. I know that you're busy and do this on the side, but can you take a couple minutes to squeeze some detailed feedback on the Fuel EX into an upcoming show? So the Sedona episodes, we aren't going to release any more of them because we feel like it's not up to the quality level that all of you deserve. We had this problem where yeah. we decided that we were going to ride the bikes, take notes, then ride the next bike, then take notes. And then once we got back from the weekend, we record, record all the podcasts. And the problem is... Oh, the motive, I guess, Brian, that we should say. The motive was that we were afraid that we wouldn't be able to test enough bikes exactly. with the limited time that we had. Yes. The few days. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. So at the end of the day... I think that we both lost, I guess, specific feelings about each bike and we yep. lost, you know, what really detailed we liked and didn't like. Even with the notes, it just, can't, you can't recollect certain things. Yeah. So we decided that uh, reviews moving forward, what we're going to do is interview directly after writing them. Exactly. I and think that's what we have to do. Yeah. And I've, and we've tried to edit and cut up the previous ones and add, th it just, it's not, a, it's not up to the quality. So uh, and I, I apologize. And the sad thing is, is, even in recording them, I felt that we weren't doing them justice in the moment, but yeah, I we thought we better. had to do this for you guys. And so we don't want to put out bad content, only good content. Bottom line is, Kevin, the Fuel X, I think, is one of the most amazing 130 29 travel 
130 travel 29 inch trail bikes out there. Yeah, it's good, man. Right now, that and the Evil Following MB are my two favorite short, you know, let's call them short travel short tra- trail bikes. <laughs> it's crazy that it's short um, travel, but yeah. You, yeah, you did right with yours. Yep. And Jonathan, you know, never said anything disparaging about the no. Feeling X. It's a good bike. Yeah. Very good bike. Yeah. Um, there are some treks that, like the Remedy, don't like the new Remedy. The changes that they made may make it better. Yeah. Um, I hope it does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not um, the the Feely X is fantastic. So I think it's a, I think that there's, that's the, the reason why a lot of people like that bike is number one, because it's a very well engineered bike. But number two, it's the sweet spot. It is the sweet spot. Yeah. It's yeah. a bike that makes people feel like it's, it's more capable than the short travel bike they ride, mm-hmm. but it's also way more efficient than the really long travel bike they ride. And pro tip for anybody who does have a Fuel EX, uh, one of the 2018 and newers, um, popping that fork to 140 in the front makes it even better. Ooh, it look does. at you. Yep. Yeah, lunch riding a yep. Fuel EX. So yeah. there we go. Next one is from Ori. Uh, says, I'm looking to get a hardtail XC bike for the weekdays. My current ride is a Hightower LTCC, long tra- or Hightower LT's long travel. Definitely not a hardtail XC. Yeah, yeah. It says, I love it. However, it was pricey. So my question is, what's the best bang for my buck? I'm looking for a solid hardtail 29er for Idaho Basin riding. Honestly. So Idaho Basin, that's like typical West Coast, yeah. sort of, or not West Coast, but it's typical Mountain West terrain. D- d- does he want carbon or does he want aluminum? Because honestly, with a hardtail... Who cares? You know which one I really like? What? Um, oh, gosh. Now I'm forgetting. Is it the Fuse from Specialized? And then yeah. Trek has their stash. Yep. Um, well, the stash is going to be the plus bike. But. That's the thing, though. Yeah. If I was to get a hardtail, I would get a, a plus hardtail. Okay. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, no, that's totally fair, but not Unless really he's racing. XC. Unless he's racing. Yeah, yeah, so, okay, that's fair. You know. Um, yeah, and the stash was actually great. My friend Mitch had a, a stash that he put 29-inch wheels on and did Leadville on it, and he was actually faster on a full suspension bike than on the stash because it is that laxed out of a geometry. There you go. Um, but it'd be a great bike for all around. I agree with that. Yeah. Like I think that if you're looking for a hardtail and you're not looking to like win XC races, right? Yeah. Uh, you can actually find some really awesome bikes. And the cool thing about a hardtail that a lot of people don't understand is the fact that hardtails give every bit of energy you put back into the bike. They do. It makes for a really fun riding experience until it's until, you know, it kicks you over the front and then it's not very fun. Um, but so you have to like, it's fun within reason, but you certainly have to change the way you ride. Um, it's not just, you know, as straightforward as one might think, uh, the chisel I think is one where you can get a cheap hardtail from specialized, like their chisel comp I'm looking at right now is like 1600 bucks. I think that it comes with a two buy on there. You can go for up to the expert for it's 2000 bucks for the expert. And it comes with a one buy. And also, pretty sweet deal. Look at one of the Cannondale FSIs. Oh, FSI. Yeah, even the alloy because they use their CAD technology in those Mm -hmm. aluminum frames. They're not just a cheap aluminum frame like most other brands. And they know what they're doing. They do. Now, if you're looking for a plus one from Specialized, I'd say that the Fuse is definitely one to consider. Mm -hmm. They have some really good builds with that one. Um, They're sweet bikes. And the Trek Stash, of course. Trek Stash. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, those are the ones that I would look at. I honestly, if you're not racing, I would totally pick a hardtail with, with some squish. That'd be fun. Three inch tires. Have fun. Heck yeah. Great. That'd be great. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, next one is from Sean says, I've heard you guys recommend using rector seal, true blue on press fit bottom brackets instead of grease or retaining compounds several times. Mm -hmm. Do you also recommend rector seal in other places on the bike, such as for installing chain rings or maybe pedals? Uh, direct mount chain rings. Yes. I sometimes do a little bit because there, there's sometimes where they just, no matter what you do, dirt gets in there and they creak. Yep. Rector seal keeps all that out. Um, pedals. No, no, definitely not pedals. Um, I've done it on inset headsets, like on my super X. I was going to ask about I've headsets. Randomly had issues where mine would creak, um, on pavement and on, you know, jolty things, um, on gravel roads. So what I ended up doing was taking the, the bearings and pulling them out, cleaning them up, and just doing a thin, thin, and when I say a thin coating, do not gob it in there, just barely use any, but into the actual carbon inset, Mm -hmm. and then put the bearings in, set it all up, not a single noise ever. Yeah, I think on my 5.5 right now, I don't have an inset headset there. No, you don't. Um, But uh, (laughs) I think uh, EWS Continental Series Race plus many North Star days has that thing creaking like crazy right okay. now. There you go. And uh, I think that I need to 
put some rector seal on there. Okay. Yeah. Because even then, if you don't have like an inset one, you could still do it on the cups. When yeah, you're on the cups. In. And even like the the pressed in cup to the frame. Yes. I always do those on headsets, but then where the bearing goes into the cup. Another spot. I also do it. Um, there's really not a whole lot of other places that I've ever had to do it. Yeah, um, I can't think of other places where it would be beneficial. Yeah, the the only other place on some certain bikes, how the derailleur hanger mounts to the frame. Oh, I could see that. There's been like one or two where I've had to use that to, you know, to basically stop, down. you know, a hanger from creaking. So, and yes, sense. derailleur hangers, I've had creak. Oh, so yeah, for it's sure. crazy. Anything can creak. It well, literally is, yeah. Yep. Uh, Cam says, hi guys, love the podcast by far the best MTV podcast out there. Sweet man. Thank you. Uh, if anybody feels that way, you can leave a review or even better, uh, a five-star review actually, um, or even better, you can share it with somebody seriously. Like with the amount of listens, we get a lot of listens and mm -hmm. like a lot. Um, and if you guys, each person shared that out this week, that would be huge Yeah, because then we'd be able to grow this to be even bigger and it would be awesome. Yeah. So we, we actually are going to have some regular contributors uh, next year, uh, which is going to be pretty cool. Uh, Mr. Dylan Santos ah. will be contributing. Uh, Mr. Keegan Swenson will be con contributing as well. And we'll probably line up a few others. And the bigger we can grow this, the more we can do that. And then we can get like firsthand high quality looks at this sport. So it could be pretty interesting stuff. Um, so he says uh, – Hoping to get, so he says, a recent episode has got me thinking about trying the Galfer brake pads. I'm hoping to get a little better performance out of my Shimano SLX brakes. Imagine that a person has Shimano brakes and they are entirely satisfied and hate SRAM and want to burn them. Hmm. How great. Wow. Yeah. In other words, wow. it's okay to just be normal and not crazy opinionated. <laughs> Way to go, Cam. He says, I also need to replace my rotors, but it appears that Galfer doesn't make a center or doesn't make center lock rotors. I don't believe they do. No. He says, do you see any problems using these pads on Shimano rotors? Yes. Also, how do these pads compare to Shimano metallic pads when it comes to rotor wear? Will they eat my rotors in a few hundred miles like the Shimano's or are they more similar to a resin pad? So with your SLX, I'm not sure if your bike came equipped with um, one of the, the IceTech approved mm. rotors. So basically... Shimano in their SLX and Dior line, the rotors there are designed only for resin pads. So as soon as you put metallic pads on it, they eat the the rotors down to nothing. Almost, it's fast. Uh -huh. uh, the Galfers will be even worse. Um, Galfers are very aggressive pads. That's why they make their rotors and their pads. What I recommend for you, Cam, is get center lock to six bolt adapters. Yep, super cheap. And then use the Galfer pads and use the Galfer rotors. And you'll never look back. Yep. I uh, have, I actually have one of those adapters on my 100 yep. because of weird wheel build things. Yeah. That works great. Yeah. Same thing on my last scalpel. It was, you know, center lock rotor in the rear, but since the front lefty hub requires six bolt, they put a six bolt adapter on the rear of a center lock DT Swiss two I have hub. Yep. Yeah. Same thing. Works so, great. so it works totally fine. Yep. Um, and that's what I would recommend you do. Those are, those adapters are about 15 bucks a piece. Yeah. Um, you can get them at any local bike shop. You can probably get them on Amazon. Um, bunch of companies make them but DT Swiss is the, you know, good, simple choice to go with. Yeah. Um, and then that little adapter bolts into the center lock lock ring, and then you just have a six bolt Perfect. mounting face and that's it. Just uh, do that. Um, Galfer doesn't pay us any money. No, they those, don't. In <laughs> fact, we pay for all of our stuff from Galfer. <laughs> those pads and rotors. Holy cow. Yeah. You are know, good, man. They're so amazing. Um, and they're not crazy expensive either. Yeah. Unless you get the floating rotors, which I have, I'm putting the floating wave rotors on, um, on the Jekyll 29. big bike for yeah. sure. I want to do that. And, too. um, holy, are they amazing? <laughs> they're amazing. And I'm going to tell you. on a bike you get. <clears throat> yeah. Is incredible, and then if you have if you have SRAM brakes, you still have your modulation, like um, you, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I really like it. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, yeah they're good brakes. Um, okay, uh, let's go into uh, this guy. Says MTB Maniac. That's his name. Yes, written down on his birth certificate. His mom knew. Yes, <laughs> wonderful mother. Uh, says. Ibis Ripmo or Yeti SB130. I ride mostly Southern California, steep, rocky, loose over hard pack trails. I'm not looking to do much racing. Just have an awesome time. Uh, and then, so should we stop there? Yeah, stop there for now. Okay. Uh, two completely different bikes. I, I don't yeah, think the I Ritmo and the 130 are, are very close to each other. I think the Ritmo is closer to the 150. I would say so. It's not so. quite there, but it's closer. Yeah. Go with an SB130. I'm sorry. Bike, it's a, it's honestly, I think the way that they've done the geo on that bike, I think it's just an all around better bike for what you're saying you want. Yeah. yeah. Honestly. So riding mostly Southern California, steep, rocky, loose over hard pack trails, knowing what you're riding on there and knowing that now 
that the Yeti has a bit more initial plushness yeah. that you'll have. Yeah. And that's not to say the Ritmo is a bad bike. It's a killer bike. It's a killer bike. But even talking to like Dylan Santos, we're just yep. going to bring him up again. Most of the time he feels like the Ritmo is too much bike. Yep. Which yeah. I feel is what you would feel about For the SP150 in this case. Yep. So I think really it's just too much bike. I think you should be looking at an SP130. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a. I think that's the. Once again, it's the sweet spot for folks. Yeah. Right. Uh, so uh, he says also. Good luck to Steven with meeting Yolanda. I need it. All of the luck. <laughs> he says, how do you plan to impress her? Bake her a cake or maybe show her your best dance moves? Love the podcast. Five stars all the way. Uh, I don't. You wife hard. I say. do. Okay. I do wife hard. I don't dance hard. I wife hard. <laughs> Steven, for those that don't know, Steven can cook. Mm -hmm. So when, when, uh, when Simon, our son was born, mm -hmm. Steven brought over like a full, like multi-course meal that was entirely <laughs> prepared by him. And it was incredible. My wife is sitting there just going like, what's the recipe for this? What's the recipe for this? Like losing it because it was absolutely incredible. So like Steven, that dude bakes better than, than anybody I've met. I had completely <laughs> scratch made cherry turnovers that night for them. Oh, they were so good. Mm -hmm. So like, like Steven or Yolanda, sorry, if you're listening, this man is a Renaissance man. He, he, he knows how to cook mm -hmm. very well. He, he knows how to ride. He knows how to work on bikes. He knows how to work on cars. He understands every aspect of how every single thing works. He has a fantastic dog named Moose. I don't know what else to say. I don't know why she isn't here yet. I don't know, man. I think people just need to reach out kindly and say, Yolanda Neff, if you haven't heard, there's a man named Stephen Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fantastic guy, and he cooks really well. And he has a dog, and his name's Moose, and he has one blue eye. You should talk to him. I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you. Think the blue eye will clinch it? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. It's all moose. It's all him. <laughs> Tyler says, hey guys, great podcast. Five stars on iTunes. Keep up the great work. My question is about training on a stationary bike at a gym. The ones with the computers and stuff. Can you recommend a way to train on them as I do not have the coin right now to buy a trainer for my bike at home? Yeah, I mean, you've done interval training, Steve, for, you know, uh, without a power meter without a heart rate monitor or anything else like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I use, I have to, yeah. I use a kinetic road machine. It's a $350 trainer. And I what about when machine. you don't have a trainer though? Like this guy doesn't have the coin to drop on a trainer. So, um, I mean, just doing them outside training outside. Honestly, you yeah. just have to go find a good consistent hill. Exactly. Hill repeats are like the most even playing field, the most consistent playing field where you can just do your intervals over and over and over. For a mountain biker, finding a really short loop, like in a, like a tight congested network sort of a thing. Yeah. Finding a short loop that has climbing, redoing that time after time after time. Yeah. Or if just it's make flat. sure your climb is, you know, however many minutes of intensity yeah. you need. I, yeah. And it's hard to know exactly what you need, you know, yeah. uh, that sort of thing. But, um, I mean, for that reason, I advocate even some people, even if you don't have a trainer, you can sign up for trainer road and then you have like plans and then you just try to replicate them outside Yeah, and you replicate them to the best of your ability. Like, um, you know, we've talked about it before, but you don't want to do, you know, many hard days back to back. You can do, yeah. it's good to vary it and know what type of racing you're doing. If you're doing enduro, then you really want to make sure that you can snap really hard. So you can sprint very hard for a minute, uh, for 30 seconds for down to 15, 10 and five seconds. You really want to focus on that range of power and you want to make it repeatable which basically the way to do that is you work really hard for a short period of time and then you rest and, but you limit that rest. Uh -huh. So if you're, you know, 30 second intervals, try resting for 15 seconds and then getting back in and doing the 30 seconds again. Um, and when you work on that sort of thing and over time, when you partner that also with other days where you're riding easier, you'll notice that your fitness will improve. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah it doesn't, it's, it's, you can, the more measured, the more precise and the more benefit you can be sure that you'll get. However, it doesn't mean that without those things, you can't get benefit. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, how did they get benefit before all of this technology existed? Exactly. Right. They did exactly what we're saying you should do. Mm -hmm. uh, this next one's from Ted. He says, love the, t love the podcast. Would love to find the music you use for the intro and outro. Can't seem to find anything on wave writers entertainment. Yeah. I need to update that. Uh, if you look up, um, Annie, I believe it's uh, anti hip hop. So a N T E any up, any up beats perhaps. I'll find it and I'll post it and you'll see, but, um, that's where it is. Show notes. Good It'll friend, go in the show notes. Yeah. Good friend of mine. Uh, Tommy Walter does that. So, 
this one's from John with many bikes. He says, hi guys. Love the podcast. Time out. Okay. <laughs> Should we read this list of bikes? The list. <laughs> Holy cow. Okay. Uh, I know you guys like details. So, uh, he says number of bikes owned 12, 2018 SB six, 2018 SB four, five, 2018 SB 100, 2014 SB six, six, 2012 SB 95, 2013 Yeti DJ 20 or 2009 Yeti DJ 2014 303 world cup DH 2013 Canfield one 2015 Trek Damani 4.5 disc 2018 Trek Amanda SLR eight disc 2018 Trek speed concept project one. Holy this guy cow. has so much money in bikes <laughs> in it's his insane. house. It's I insane. wonder if his homeowner's insurance knows about oh, this. Oh, dear me. Yeah, it's a second second home right there. Oh, gosh. Holy. Yeah. John, you win the bike game right You win there. today. Mm-hmm. He says, hey, guys, podcast rules. Hope you can address this one. Is there any feedback on the race face cinch power meter spindle? The Easton also has a roadie version. It's essentially the same unit. It is the same, just different spindle links for the EC90 SL mm-hmm. cranks. He says, I'm interested to add power to my SB100 for future training after injury and PT is over. And I'm really curious on what kind of watts I'm doing with this frame uh, and current setup. On what I can only describe as a BMX style sprinting on a mountain bike, or maybe like Cancellara Cav. Those are roadies, if people don't know, for t- you know 20 to 10 to 20 second efforts. Question is, yeah. I have for you, John, is why did you spell out Cancellara, but then you couldn't spell out Cavendish? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's what he did. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Cav. Continue. Well, Cav's his nickname. Well, true. Nobody calls still. him Canch. Yeah, you know, yeah. nobody calls Cancellara Canch. So they, they call should. him Cav. Yeah. That's his new nickname. We coined it here. Canch. Well, you yeah, know, he's retired. Canch Spartacus is his true nickname. There so. you go. Roadie stuff done. Okay. He says, I haven't been able to get any rear end flex that causes cassette skipping yet, even when cross chained to the 10 tooth cog. This has never been the case with any other full suspension bike I've owned carbon or not. Uh, if anyone knows someone with proper knowledge of this meter, it's you guys. So, uh, good to hear that he hasn't been having any, uh, issues with rear end flex with the SP 100. It's because yeah. the thing is built like a tank it is. for how strong it is, but you can still build it light 23.7 pounds. Yeah. It's mine. Thanks, Stephen, for the help on that one, the build. Um, Okay, so uh, the race face inch power meter is actually, I hope this is okay to say this, but uh, race face and Easton, if you're you're upset, let me know. But it's made by Teams Watt. It's Mm -hmm. made by a different company. Yes. Um, Teams Watt is a company that's been in power meter production for some time. Uh, there's the spindle based design is definitely theirs. They do a number of other different designs and a lot of consulting work for different people, I believe, too. Could be wrong on the consulting part still, but... Um, they know what they're doing. It's a pretty good power meter. However, there are situations with, uh, I've heard of people having accuracy issues with them. Okay. But the, the thing that people need to understand about a power meter is the fact that, um, as long as your power meter is consistent one day to the next, you're getting useful data. Yeah. And for training purposes, that's what matters. You now, yeah, you shouldn't care about what you're compared to some guy with a cork D zero. Exactly. You should be compared about what you are today, what you are tomorrow, what you are Saturday. That's really what matters. Yep. Now they, there's the one to 2%, I believe is the industry standard for Mm -hmm. variation um, between one power meter to the next. However, we routinely find much greater variations than that in all the power meters we have here at Trainer Road. Yes. Um, it's pretty common. The only problem that you really have is when your power meter starts to drift out of calibration. The other issue is if you have one power meter that's really off and you're keeping track of like in Trainer Road, you can keep track of personal records uh-huh. and which is a really cool feature because then you can compare like this season to last season. And when I was two weeks into last season, how are my PRs compared to two weeks into this season, which is really helpful. So yes. then you just don't feel like you suck until you get to peak fitness, you know, but that can be problematic if you have a power meter that's off there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the cinch you'll notice the availability is pretty limited. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because they're just backing down production. I don't know if that's because they've had production issues. I don't know what the deal is there, but they're pretty hard to find. Yeah. The power meter game is proven to be really tough for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And Quark is doing a fantastic job. Like, fantastic job. I can't say a single bad thing about what quirks do. So they're really good. Um, stages are doing a great job. They, uh, you know, I, I hear plenty of people reporting that they don't have the same accuracy that they had otherwise. However, my personal experience, I've had same accuracy across the board with stages. Yeah. But other than that, I wouldn't really, you know, think of those. So I'm just really sad that I can't really have power meters on any of my bikes right now. I know. Right. <laughs> other than stages. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. AI man. That's Cannondale's AI. Yeah. Well, thank goodness for stages, huh? Yeah. Um, okay, cool. 
So uh, let's get into Wes's question. He says, and this is going to be the last one for this week because we have to get back to work. We do. He says, hey, guys, great podcast and five stars. Thanks for covering everything off-road in an intelligible and humorous manner. For my question, what do you think of steep seat tube angles? He says, uh, those that are greater than 76 degrees on an enduro bike. From a climbing perspective, he says, I get the concept. However, from an anatomical and physiological standpoint, I'm not fully convinced. Keep the rubber side down. This one's confusing to me a bit. It is. Because I feel like if you understand it from a climbing concept, then you would understand the anatomical and physiological benefits. Yeah. Uh, because that's really where it comes from. A mm-hmm. steeper seat tube allows you to get further in front of the bottom bracket, which when you're pedaling uphill, uh, number one is better weight distribution. Yeah. Uh, but number two, it also is more biomechanically efficient for the human body to pedal in that position, rather especially than sitting for far behind the bottom bracket, especially for your quads. Yes. Getting that hip angle down. Yep. Uh, if you look at Ironman triathletes, they don't have rules that, that, uh, roadie, uh, time trialists do. Right. Yeah. And if you look at Ironman triathletes, it, it's like a, it's like a right angle. Like, or even like slightly more open than that. Yeah. It's like they're pedaling backwards. Their saddles are so far forward because their bikes, basically the seat tube, there is no contiguous seat tube on a lot of them. Yeah. It actually is like a disconnected one, but it's so far forward. And then they flip their actual seat mast. So then that one, at, it has a setback, but they flip it. So it's a set forward. Yeah. And then they slam their saddle forward and they have like elephant tusks for extensions to put their body way out in front. Yeah. It's not a good bike handling position for them, but what it delivers is a really efficient power output. Yeah. It doesn't close off your hip angle. Mm-hmm. So we're getting, you know, we're just opening up your hip angle for and better weight distribution. It's better across the board. Uh, and you'll see a lot of people running, you know, uh, saddles that are slam forward attention. Every company that makes a seat, seat post, please make zero offset options. Stop yes. making only setback options. Yeah. It drives me nuts. Cannondale save you jerks. Yeah. I want that seat post because yeah. I just got one of their CAD 12s. Yeah. Um, sweet bike, yeah. um, for, for road, but it, I have to switch the seat post and that seat post is like designed as part of the system of that bike yeah. to give it flex. But there is no zero offset save seat post. Yep. And they're really hard to find yeah. in that 25.4 millimeter diameter. Yep. Super I, X life too. I got a Cannondale, <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> but it's a nice bike. So, um, so I guess the, the point is it's better for enduro. It's better for XC. It's better for everything where you are seated. Yeah. Once you're standing, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. It, at that point, it really cares, uh, where your handlebars and where your pedals. Yes. That's, that's all really that matters. matters. Yeah. Yep. I mean, sure. The saddle, if it's really out of whack, it could be hitting you in the back of the knees or the front of the knees or something like that. Yeah. But otherwise it really doesn't matter a whole lot. And that seat, that seat tube angle isn't getting that drastic where it's causing any sort of issues like that. Yep. The old, the real consequence of a steeper seat tube angle is what it does to the suspension design. Cause it's tricky to be able to move a seat tube angle and then retain everything the same. Yeah. And keep shorter, you know, seat or shorter chain stays and keep, yeah. you know, the design of where your linkages sit yes. and everything. It just changes it's complex. all of that. It's very complex. So for climbing, it's better for pedaling. It's better to have a steeper seat tube angle. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's really not a situation where I can think of a, a, a more relaxed seat tube angle is better there. Yeah. And then when you're seated, your seat tube angle doesn't, or when you're standing, your seat tube angle doesn't matter. So Wes, hopefully that answers it for you. Yeah. Steep is good. All right, uh, let's close it out with the tips. You don't care they're counting on your tips to live? All right, the one that I am going to share is once again, so this one, it could be a general fitness and life tip, period. Uh, A good health tip, I guess. Or if you're really into the training side of things, you can be a very data nerdy tip. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've started working with a nutritionist uh, or dietitian, certified dietitian recently, Mm -hmm. has a huge amount of experience with working with endurance athletes and over to strength athletes and everything in between. Um, and as a result, one of the things that I'm doing is I'm using my fitness pal to log every single thing that I eat. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm being very conscious about that and I'm following her direction. Yeah. Uh, one of the things with that though, is making sure that I have daily weigh-ins and I don't like scales for a lot of reason or a lot of reasons. And one of them is because when you stand on a scale, you let that number define who you are in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And just because you had a crazy day where you ate later that night before, you know, you'll wake up one day and you might be heavier and then you're really hard on yourself that day mm-hmm. and you starve yourself or you just feel bad about yourself. And it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it, that we're letting a number completely depict how we're going to treat ourselves the next day or, you know, yeah. it's not good. Uh, my goal with this is to just be, you know, healthier and more efficient at training on a bike. It isn't to, you know, get a beach bot or it isn't to, you know, I don't know, feel 
bad about myself or better about myself in any way. So with that in mind, I wanted to find a scale that would do just wireless uploading. So then I didn't have to necessarily look at it every day, but I could see trends because that's really the most important thing. It's like where things are trending. Mm -hmm. So I got, um, I've used a Tanita scale for some time. And those are these scales that I know it sounds like a total like truck stop, drop a quarter in and get like a weird thing where it's like, you know, oh, your body fat is this. You have to drop a quarter in your scale? <laughs> no, no, you don't. But you know, how, like those, those things that you see, am I alone on this? Yes. Truck stop? Okay. I think you are. I do have my commercial driver's license, okay. but I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like you go to like these places and they have like quarter machines and you can drop them in and it'll like uh, give you M&Ms or you can drop one in and it'll give you your horoscope or whatever it is. Like you've seen Based on your weight? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> a horoscope And there's another on... one that has like your scale or it has a scale and it tells you something about yours. I've seen these things in truck stops. Okay. Continue. Quit judging me, Continue Stevie. You're, you're so judgy right now. <laughs> um, so uh, but anyways, the point is I thought these scales didn't work, the body fat scales, but then I validated them with three different people across seven different dual x-ray scans, which are very, that's the gold standard for measuring body composition. Okay. And the Tanita scale BF680W has been fantastic. And it checks out perfectly even across the board. So I got this Garmin and I was worried that it wouldn't be accurate, but at least it uploaded wirelessly and I didn't have to worry about it to my fitness pal. It's absolutely spot on with a Tanita and it is an absolutely beautiful unit. And when I step on it, it knows it's me. When my wife steps on it, it knows that it's her. We don't have to set anything up. It's all done because it uses our Garmin connect profiles. Interesting. It's really cool. It's a sweet scale and it's like a beautiful little piece of equipment that you can have in your house huh. that gives you your body fat. That, and, and genuinely it's good. Like it's solid. Um, it's precise, okay. uh, perhaps not accurate, even though, yeah, actually it's accurate too. But the point is you want consistent measurement and it, it needs to measure the same all the way across. Okay. And it does. It's awesome. If anybody's looking to lose weight, it's a great tool to add. If anybody's looking to just keep on track or keep things on track or log this sort of thing, it's great. Um, bring it to, you know, if you have that sort of data, you can log it, I think in Apple's health kit and then your doctor, if he uses that, that can be really helpful. It's really good stuff. How much does scale cost? Uh, I got it for 99 bucks. Huh. So, I mean, it's not a, it's not like a cheap $15 bathroom scale or something. Uh, $99, I know is not cheap, but it's awesome. It connects to Wi-Fi at my house, so it always uploads it instantly. I don't have to worry about that. Bluetooth to my phone, so then it pushes it to Garmin Connect. Interesting. It's cool. Nice. It's helpful, man. Beautiful. So, uh, your tip. Um, we're Okay, so we're going on our trip next weekend. Next weekend. We're going to Whistler. Squamish and Whistler, yes. and we're going to hang out with uh, Senor Jeff Kabush. Yes. yes. Senor, because he's Canadian, yes. of course. And, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And uh, we're flying on Alaska Airlines. Yeah. And I've noticed this. is not this. an Alaska Airlines ad. They do not know about us. We're yeah, they don't know about us at all. <laughs> yeah. We just love the idea because we're bike people and you're all bike people presumably too. Yeah. Or yeah. those seven weird people that are just like, oh, I like these guys' yeah. voices. I have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, like my mom probably. <laughs> Bless your mom's yeah. heart. Um, yeah. I don't even know if she listens, by the way. I, I don't <laughs> think she does. But anyway, um, I noticed this when I flew to Coeur d'Alene last month. Yeah. Bike fees. Yeah. Bike fees are ridiculously expensive everywhere. 150 each way on United. 75 oh. each way on Southwest. You know, yes. they, they, they say 50, but then when you get there, I've always been charged I've, 75. I've never been charged less than 75 with Southwest. Um, but with Alaska, 25 bucks. It's pretty sweet. But if you're in one of their loyalty programs, I don't remember which one with Alaska, it's actually free. Sweet. So awesome. Yeah. So if you're on the West coast, I mean, obviously you guys in Boston, we don't, Bastard. we don't care about you anyway, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We do. We love you. But Alaska doesn't fly there. So. Yeah. Don't say that about Boston of any city. Boston. I feel like they're pretty aggressive. They, they are. <laughs> just remember yeah. if you're from Boston or Philly, you're better than everyone <laughs> and you know it. <laughs> okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, but no, the bike fees, 25 bucks. It's awesome. It's, it's really good. If you're going to be traveling, uh, I like the bike in the jet pack B I K N D. It's yeah. a great one. Um, I, I don't bother with the whole lying. I don't, I don't care about trying to make it not seem like a bike. It's a, it's a bike. Yeah. And the cool thing is if you tell them it's a bike and then you say, Hey, do you have 47 fragile, please do not smash stickers. And they say, yes, we do. And we, then you say, let's wallpaper this sucker. Yeah. Do you have one of the ones that says this is a TV? They say, yes, we do. Okay. Put that on there. <laughs> like yeah. do everything like that. And then it's amazing how well they treat your bag. Wonder if they have signs that say there's a chinchilla in here. Be careful. <laughs> yeah, Live exactly. animal. <laughs> Live animal. Live yeah. lion. <laughs> Handle with care. Yeah. Do not uh, open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's a really, it's a good way to do it. Um, 
uh, bike flights obviously is another option if you want to do that. Yes, which essentially um, is FedEx. It's yep. FedEx ground or yep. three day, two day. You know, whatever you pick. Mm-hmm. R- very, very economically priced um, and efficient. Uh, two of my friends, a couple that uh, live in in Denver, in downtown Denver. I actually just sold them two Cannondale mountain bikes. I sold them a Kuat Sherpa 2.0 and a Kuat Pivot. Wow. All four of them, fully insured at retail value from Reno to Denver, was two hundred and ten dollars. The Kuat Pivot weighs about as much as an elephant's hind leg. Yeah, like so. I don't even think I don't even think my forerunner can have that on the back because it'll scrape. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's heavy, a heavy, heavy piece. Yeah, but it was literally two hundred and ten dollars to ship all of that through bike flights with full insurance. Cool. They're a great company and they're good people to work with. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I like that. Yeah. All right, Stephen, uh, with that, uh, people should go to mtbpodcast.com, uh, check out the latest episodes and share it with your friends, please. Yeah. Uh, if you're coming to enter a bike, let us know. And if you need bike parts, go to the store on mtbpodcast.com, click on Worldwide Cyclery. And buy things. We'll talk to you all next week. Have a nice day. guys jonathan here just wanted to thank you again for listening and let you know that if you like the song that you're hearing now and the one that you heard in the intro it comes from wave riders entertainment my good friend tommy walter check it out if you're looking for more beats like this or some awesome tracks to listen to we'll talk to you next week